This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. Now in our fifth season, looking into the massively exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club. My name is Benjamin Bloom and you are tuned into the flagship show. You're not tuned into the flagship show. You're tuned into the midweek show available each and every midweek on video or audio. So for sometimes relevant, but always informative hour or more of football conversation. Make your Monday a Blue Monday I've just watched cricket on Joe's phone through Skype. It More ridiculously, because Joe cared about it. He was watching the reflection of his screen. Joe, what just happened? England lost by one run in a T20 international against South Africa. When we should have really won from where we were at the last over. Joe Fares is here. Craig is here. You enjoyed the cricket as well, didn't you? Well, yes. As much, yeah, as much. I enjoyed the cricket more than I enjoyed the football. There we go. Seb, do you give any Fs about the cricket? Not in the slightest. I think that's the most cricket I've ever seen. <laughs> in one sitting. They did <laughs> they, they did take a fair while. And as you can see, we have the quad pod here. We put the shout out. Um, we had Craig in attendance at Wimbledon last night. And we had two I follow perverts, as we call them in the WhatsApp group, um, voyeuristically watching in from VPNs redirected. The, the, the second half felt like a clockwork orange where I had to be like forced down to my chair with my <laughs> eyes pinned open to stay and watch the second half. <laughs> there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's that's a little taster of what you're in for, um, <laughs> for tonight. Um, so, look, we're going to talk some Wimbledon. Don't worry, we'll keep it light because obviously um, Ipswich Town Twitter went into its 500th meltdown of about the last what, six months, I reckon, last night. Um, but first of all, let's do a quick little bit of news. Um, Paul Lambert quoted um, as saying that he made an approach for Connor Wickham, um, Premier League striker Connor Wickham, once of Ipswich, who has ended up at 
Sheffield Wednesday replacing um, Stephen Fletcher, basically. Um, Seb, talk to me about um, these comments. Um, he said he was way out of the price range. Um, and he's basically admitted trying to get a striker. Um, but this one seemed to be a bit fanciful anyway, didn't it? Um, what's your view on this, um, on, on Wickham specifically and the fact that they were in the, mar- in the market for a striker? Well, with regards to Wickham, obviously he'd have been phenomenal at this level, but there was never any chance at all of him coming to join us. I, w- I was amazed. I think we all were with the comments after the game when he said he tried to get in. We all know he must be on north of, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 grand a week at Palace. Palace said he can go out on loan, but I don't think they'd have sent him to, to League One at all. They want him in the in the championship. So when I heard that name, I guess that just kind of sums up our recruitment at the minute. You know, fanciful targets that just pluck names out of the sky and it was it was never going to happen getting a striker in would have seemed fairly sensible to me uh, especially one in the mold of Wickham a big you know target man to hold the ball up and bring others into play but I was a bit concerned with the, the Norwood comments as well that he might be uh, sort of uh, letting Norwood's confidence go a little bit with those comments um, Joe you love Idris El Mazzouni not quite as much as you love Armando Dobra um, and he was on the goal scoring sheets last night for Cambridge I wanted to say at Paul Hurst Scunthorpe, but he's he's not. You, you can't find him anymore, sadly. Um, talk to me about El Mazzuni and um, a good start to the loan. Yeah, he's, he's playing as a ten, so he scored a goal from that position there. And I only watched the two-minute highlights from Sky, but he seemed to be at the heart of most Cambridge's attacks. He sort of got away, put a good cross in for one that was saved for the second goal. It was him winning the ball back, and he scored a good free kick as well for the first goal and sort of watching those highlights after watching last night's game when there was this huge gap between midfield and forward. You sort of think, well, could he have done any worse than what we've got here? But it's good to see him doing well in league football, but it's also frustrating. The loan system working beautifully, but not for Simon Grayson, Craig. Um, this um, just broke earlier today. So um, fellow um, long in the tooth uh, jobbed out manager for many years, Simon Grayson, Craig, out of Blackpool, one win in 12. And they, I seem to remember them signing about 10 players in um, in the window. Ipswich go there in three games time, all ready for someone new to uh, new come in. Bounce. The old yeah. new, new manager bounce. But one win in 12, um, similar ilk and, and Blackpool acting. Um can you draw any parallels with um, Mr. Lambert and Mr. Grayson? Yeah, well, they're, they're unbelievable. They've got a worse record than us, haven't they? As you say, one win in 10 or 12, or it was. And again, as you say, they, they did get a fair few players in, including obviously Grant Ward, who's been sitting on their bench uh, for a little bit. But I don't know who who they've got in the running to be uh, replaced, to be a replacement. Might be just one of the normal run of the mill names, I'd have thought. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but as you say again, of all the teams that we could be playing in a couple of weeks' time, we're end of the month, you know, it might take them a week or so. Give a caretaker a couple of matches and they'll have a brand new shiny manager in for our visit, uh, yeah, at the end of the month. I wonder if Gary Bowie will go back there. He's just been sacked at Bradford, hasn't he? He did a good job there previously. It's a whole yeah. more sensible suggestion than I made, isn't it? Yeah, well, what's your... Um, Ian Holloway went to Grimsby, didn't he? He might have, he might have fancied it again. Mm-hmm. Now the uh, oysters aren't around. He'll do anything, won't he? Jesus, Holloway. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, shall we go off to um, Wimbledon? We've procrastinated and prevaricated long enough. Um, Ipswich make their first um, away trip to AFC 
Wimbledon um, in what's the stadium called? Is it the Cherry Red Record Stadium still? Yeah. Um, and they go there off the back of three straight defeats against now first place Rotherham, second place Peterborough, and fifth place Sunderland. Um, Seb, prior to that, it had been a really, really good run of 10 points in four, and the only drop points in that ridiculous, windy, and wet um, Oxford game. Um, talk to me about this binary form over this last sort of seven games or so and um, the mood going in. Well, after the first half on Saturday, I thought if they play like that and with the right maybe personnel changes, they'll have enough about them to, to see Wimbledon off. But it, it's looking like that, that pickup of form against Accrington, Lincoln, I guess the draw against Wickham looks like it, it was the blip. I think somebody put that on Twitter uh, the other day saying that looks like the blip in form. It's just been a, was it you, Craig? Yeah, <laughs> great comment. Um, it's just been a, a, a slow decline since since October. I, I thought they would win last night, but I guess as we're about to find out, it didn't didn't quite go to plan. Um, Craig, you, you were there. Um, can you just give us a little description of this um, wonderful little um, shed of a ground? I sound like a really snobby Ipswich fan here, here don't I? Um, uh, it's quite quite nice area, Wimbledon. Yeah, it was. Um, it's got it's got one on Oxford, isn't it? It's got actually got stand behind on every side <laughs> of the pitch. Uh, I suppose you know it's twenty five percent. Has it got there. a bad retail park straight outside though? Not that I saw. I walked I walked briskly from um Norbiton station straight into the away end. So um it was it was uh a lot of porter cabins outside. Um the the toilets were, were demountables, porter cabins, that sort of thing. Um you sort of enter into the corner um corner of the ground where the away fans are, and the away fans are situated where the left back is basically where the linesman crikey that the linesman's within a yard of the away fans running up and down that touchline basically um what what we found, what we found wasn't much of a problem for myself you know i'm six four so it wasn't an issue for me and mikey's i think even outdoes outdoes me he's about six five but there's no there's no gradient on the um terrace so well live very very limited gradient on terrace so i had a lady standing next to me and she must have been five foot six and she could not have seen 90% of that mat horribly beneficial from her respect maybe but it was really really poor for people who couldn't um who weren't there early enough to get a decent spot you, you wouldn't be able to see too much but no. yeah we were right close to the pitch we were really really close to the dugouts they were on our side of the pitch as well um so yeah but it was it was non-league yeah it was a non-league non-league setup um Similar sort of to I would locally I don't know many Suffolk grounds but with an O Town sort of standard of, of ground maybe a little bit plusher but uh, not, not quite like Saturday should we say? No, I, I had a few friends that went and they got there a bit late and they said for the first half they were just literally out the back of the stand in effectively <laughs> still in the in the car park you just you, you couldn't see anything they were just at the gate like I think there was a few fans getting pretty irate with the stewards but. Which they just said they couldn't be bothered to do that. They just went and got some food and took. But you you literally couldn't see anything. You were just standing at the back of a gaggle of people queuing to still get in as the game was going on. G- GB had the best view, didn't he? He 
he tweeted a picture from the men's toilets. He was looking out the window of the men's toilets and got a very half decent view. From GB's there. normally looking in the window of the men's toilets. Yeah, <laughs> why have I said that? You know, you know, halfway through a sentence when you're already regretting it. Um, quick reminder of the return game uh, back in August. This was Caden Jackson's late winner uh, coming back, and this was the kickstart, gentlemen, for a run of nine wins and a draw. In 10 games back in August. I'll say that again. Nine wins and a draw in 10 games. Incredible. Um, right, there's a lot to pick apart in this team. It was Holy, Wilson, Chambers, Wolfenden are the centre-halves. Um, Earl and Danassian are the wing-backs. So Earl gets his first start. Um, it's a midfield three without a number 10. Um, some would argue we've played many times this season. Without a number 10. Um, Skews holding with Downs and Hughes. Uh, Norwood and Jackson up top. Um, Seb, first of all, Holy stays in. Um, Earl over Kenlock at wing back. That's the only controversy in, in the back five. Your views on that? Well, Earl looked all right against Sunderland. Kenlock, he, he didn't have the greatest game. He sort of seemed to tire as the game went on. So it did make sense for Earl to come in. I think I said on Sunday's pod, I thought Earl would come in at the left centre-back position. Um, but but Lambert obviously thought he could do a job out on the uh, on the wing. Um, he's a big guy, and I'm not entirely sure he's suited to that role, that that up getting up and down for, for 90 minutes. Um, I think Kenlock would have been the better bet, better bet on the night. Um, Joe, we've joked about... I just... I just joked about um, lack of number 10. But given, um, I think it was Dave said on, on the pod before, look, in this division, don't try and be don't try and be too clever. You know, we're not going to, unless it's basically a kind of three up front in the way that Peter would do it, there isn't a lot of point playing um, a number 10, or there certainly doesn't seem to. So um, on the, you know, on the surface of it, was this actually a sensible move, you know, sticking another centre midfielder and you have a holder and presumably the idea is then that frees up the other two central midfielders and they can, they can get forward. There's some sense to it. Um, give or take the person. What's your, what's your view on um, uh, a number six and two number eights, as opposed to having a number 10 in there? Well, I, I, as soon as I saw the team, I was worried that after the way Wimbledon had played when we played them at Portman Road, it was just sit back and not even really try and hit us on the break. They didn't even do that. They just sat back and I saw the team and I saw the three centre-backs. I saw Danashian as a wing-back who doesn't really go forward. Earl I hadn't seen, so I sort of gave him the benefit of the doubt, but within about five minutes, it was clear he isn't a player that can run forward with the ball and dribble the ball. Scoose sitting there. So you've got six defensive players and out-and-out defensive players playing. Hughes and Downs are the only ones trying to push on, but the gap was just so big between them. And Wimbledon just sat back. Like I say, Mick Mills on the commentary and probably most people watching within, maybe not those in the stadium, we couldn't really see much, but within about five minutes, it was obvious that we did not need that setup. We did. And we just needed to try and sort of maybe push Hughes on to sit with Downs and push Hughes on, even push Downs on. But we needed to do something else than what we were doing. And it was just... The first half was one of the worst sort of games of football I've seen. It, it was like a training game. There's no intensity, no no one trying to break. I think the only time we broke the lines in the whole half was when we had passed the ball around quite well in an area, but Hughes actually gives the ball away, but it deflects off one of their players and he then picks up the rebound. That was the only time we broke the lines in the whole half. And when you see the personnel, I don't know, I was just... It's one of those ones where you see the team, you think, oh, shit, I hope it don't go like this. And within five minutes, it's like, oh, this is how it is going. 
Mm. You see the team and you think the worst case scenario of that team is this happening. And yeah, maybe our thoughts. Um, so look, Craig, we'll get we'll get into the first half. Joe's already kicked us off there. The the only other thing of note there, Norwood and Jackson together up front again. Um, is that sensible when you don't have a number 10, having the bustler and the pacey guy running in behind? Uh, yes, I suppose it would have been, but it it didn't. It, they still need support, don't they? They still need support from the midfield, and they just simply didn't get it. As Joe said, the the issue we had was Skews was sitting deep, but Hughes wasn't really playing that far ahead of him. He was pretty much playing alongside him. Um, and as Joe says about practice matches, it it reminded me of one of the EFL Cup games that it was just played at such a low. From our perspective, it was played at such a low pace. Hughes was getting the ball and just knocking it about, but there was no urgency. You know, there was no impetus. I, I think I sent a message to the WhatsApp in the first half saying we need to do things just a hell of a lot quicker. And how many times have we said that over the course of the season? You know, there's no no urgency. Everyone's taking far too many touches with the ball, just far too ponderous. No courage. It was yeah, just flat, flat midfield free and a very flat, flat performance. Seb, is there any chance that Lambert's in a very leaky game against Peterborough and said we kept loads of clean sheets earlier in the in the season I'm going to stop this losing run by tightening it up and you know work from work from that or am I giving him too much credit I think you're giving him too much credit I mean it's okay to play a, a sort of a holding midfielder against the likes of Sunderland and probably Peterborough when you know it's going to be a tough game we, we should have gone there last night and we should have won that game uh, to set ourselves up for the rest of the season so like Joe as soon as I saw the lineup it reminded me there was a game under Mick where I think we had Scoose, Douglas and Haim in central midfield and you knew how that was going to go and last night was was exactly the same he should have played a more progressive player to help link with the strikers and uh, and I, just, I think he's lost the plot a bit with the lineup to be honest with you Joe, is there not an is there not an argument um, that it just strikes me that all of these players did exactly what was in their character? I.e., it's not Down's job to get forward. Hughes never gets forward, and um, I suppose Hughes was a little bit um, under Mick. You, you would think you would think one of them at least would have, or anyone on the pitch would have reveled in the chance. Right, there's a holder in there, even a centre half or a wing back. Um, why, why no one stepping up to want to you know be the guy to carry the team forward? I think Hughes and Downs were trying to, but they're naturally sort of box-to-box midfielders. I don't know, players are comfortable either in front of the ball or behind the ball, and we had too many players that are comfortable behind the ball, and that, that's the way they wanted to play. There wasn't anyone who who can run with the ball. There wasn't any, like Hughes is a player that can pick up scraps and do things in the final third, but he wasn't ever getting there because the ball was not sticking out with our strikers at all. The only time the ball was going into the strikers was from sort of long balls from sort of Chambers and Wilson sort of trying to hit their chest and try and play from there. And it's it's just a case of we we were just trying to play for a set piece, really. And then when you do get a set piece, you've got like Cole Skews, who isn't a natural set piece taker taking them. And it's like, what are we trying to do here? And I don't think anyone could tell you. Um, Craig, is is Joe right about the uh, about the first half? You got You got anything to add on um as i was watching on whatsapp your all your guys comments are getting more and more turgid as it went on well what, what was noticeable in the first half was just sheer amount of touches that james wilson had as the central defender the central of the three defenders it, everything 
was going to. The Wolfenden was passing it to him. Chambers was passing it to him. The centre, the centre midfielders were passing it to him. He must have had more touches in that first start than anyone else on the pitch, um, which isn't what you really want. You know, as long as yes, if you've got Glenn Hoddle playing there for Swindon like he did against us all those years ago, pinging it here, there, and everywhere, maybe. But as I say, it was just so. It was just walking pace. There was no, as Joe says, there was nobody running with the ball with intent up the pitch. And we haven't, we didn't have anybody in the pitch that does it. As you say, you know, nobody has that in their repertoire, so we can't really expect them to do it. It was just a, a strange, a strange setup and a, yeah, a very turgid walking pace first half. And just, just quickly, one of the things I, I mentioned after the Accrington game was that Lambert on the sideline in the Accrington game was like a jack-in-the-box, flying all over the place, keeping the standards up, really pushing everyone on. And I'd forgotten that's what he was like when he first came in. Those first few games, you saw him on the sideline, you're like, bloody hell, this guy's kicking every ball. And you could tell the players were reacting to it, and he was pulling them on. And he did that Akron's game, and I thought, oh, bloody hell, this is what he used to be like. And it's like, has, he stopped doing that already now. And it's like, why hasn't he got the motivation to be... Because we, we were playing better when he's on the sideline, kicking every ball, telling everyone, running around, pushing them... And it's like, why doesn't he do that every game? I, I don't get it. Um, Seb, take us into the second half. Firstly, what could have been done um, with the resources, or you know, with, with the with the shape, or the um, or the you know philosophy um, generally, and how did it actually start playing out in the second half? Well, it's it's. I mean, the obvious thing to do would have been to pull off one of the one of the three midfielders, probably probably Scuse, and put a more a more progressive player. And I wanted to see Dizel come on um, and be that sort of that link to the front too. He's good with the ball at his feet. You know, he can pick a pass out. Uh, I think the game was was screaming in for him. Him or Nolan. Nolan tied noticeably on um, on Saturday against Sunderland, but I guess he still provides a bit of a a bit of a box to box, a bit of a, a midfielder breaking from deep. But it just started exactly the same as the first. First half did with with lumps uh, with uh, balls lumped forward to the to the strikers. It wasn't sticking with them at all, and no one was really sort of wanting to put a foot on the ball and say, right, I'm going to take charge of this now. And I'm going to make something happen. It just it just carried on exactly how it had been in the first half. Um, Keen for Norwood on 70. Sears for Earl, which you loved, uh, Joe on <laughs> on 81. Um, any any possible um, argument that um, they could have gone on to win after either the subs, Joe? I thought Keane actually made a difference. It, when he came on, you actually thought, oh, that, this is what happened. Somebody was dropping in between the strikers and midfielder, getting on the ball, and he got the ball and sprayed out wide to the right back who got on and put a decent cross in. He had a good chance. Sort of, we had one good chance and one half chance, and unfortunately he took the half chance much better than the good chance, but he actually came on, dropped in, and made things happen a bit. And But the seven. What minute was that sub? The seventieth minute. Uh, like seventy was King for Norwich. The yeah, game but... had drifted away by us by then, and had, had you given him ten minutes longer, he, he may have made something happen because he he was like I say, getting in the gaps between between the team and taking the ball on in tough areas and actually opening the game up. But then, as, as Seb says, w- there's no reason at all why Norwood had to come off for Keane. No. Why couldn't you have taken Wilson off for Keane? You know, you could, you've already got five defenders on the on the pitch. Take one of them off, or excuse, or yeah, use. Wilson off and drops excuse back to sit in the back three. They, yeah, they were, play, they we'll were play offering back four. absolutely nothing at all. No. They had no ambition to win the game, and we just we couldn't have made it much easier for them. If you think at the end at the end of that game, we had Dazel, Judge, and Nolan all sitting on the bench, having not come on the pitch when we were desperate to get some sort of you know 
opening or have somebody on the pitch that could have done something. You know, mm. as Joe says, Keane did drop well. He dropped well into the into that gap, but but he left Jackson up front by himself. Mm. Um, the stats say, I won't labour this, but um, Town on top for shots, possession, pass completion, dribbles, aerials, tackles, and corners. So, um, Seb, if Norwood puts in that one that he smashes against the bar, does this look a lot like one of those games from earlier in the season where we're keeping a clean sheet, we're winning away without necessarily um, blowing anyone away? Yeah, it would have been like the the MK Dons game or the the Gillingham game. You know, that goal would have made all the difference because I don't really think that Wimbledon threatened at at all. They had that chance towards the end where Chambers put a good block in. But if we had a scored, I think we would have seen the game out okay. But unlike the the start of the season, we're just not taking our chances at the minute. You know, you've got no real faith in... Whenever we go through and someone has a shot, you're starting to think to yourself, you know, I'm not backing this person to score at the moment, given what they're currently going through. And if you don't take your chances, you're not going to score goals, cliche alert. So, uh, unfortunately, it's um, it's a sign of the, the, the strikers and the midfield set up just just not being progressive enough. The, the strikers are living on scraps, though, aren't they? I know yes. Norwood had a couple of good chances last night. We, we don't create anything in open play. We, like I say, the, the chances last night, a scoose corner which drops to Norwood. He hits it, does well. The ball six inches low. It's a great goal. The one-on-one he misses. He's the one that nicks the ball from a defender, mm-hmm. takes a touch and tries to score. We said there's, that about Norwood all along. Joey can make yeah, chances yeah. for himself, which can't is why, he? Which is why you keep him on the pitch. And then there's yeah. and then people saying, oh, we did have a couple of chances where Jackson got in behind. But it's like, what one pass into Jackson and a and a cross. That's that's not a chance, is it? That's that's you've started to create a chance. You haven't created a chance at that point. And it's just like nothing is happening in open play. Like you say, we've got Dazelle. Judge hasn't been very good this season, but he's still someone that tries to create something. He takes the ball in tough areas and tries to do things. But Dazelle sat on the bench for five games and we've scored what two goals, one. A penalty when we four nil down, um, but it was similar on. Sorry, it was similar on uh, on Saturday. Judge, uh, sorry, Norwood was the one making chances. He had the one on one, you know, when he's threw it against the keeper. That that's why it was even more strange again last night that he's the one that gets hooked early. You would think when a striker's in, you know, a, a bit of a, a confidence lull, just just keep playing him because eventually, if he gets in those right positions, he will take one of those chances. That's why I was surprised to see him taken off ahead of Jackson or or ahead of one of the midfielders. He's, he's streaky, isn't he? And he's he's going to go on runs where he scores goals and he's going to go on runs where he misses chances. But throughout the season, if you look at the shot data and things like that, he's he's the player that has the most shots and we just don't have as many shots when he doesn't play. And a lot of that is stuff he creates on his own. Yeah. He's willing he's willing to pull the trigger when other people may look for a pass. Like Jackson got away in the first half and rather than shoot, tries to play in downs and an impossible ball. He, Norwood would have shot then and he might not have scored, but... Like Peterborough in the corner saying, yeah, Peter Brent EFL trophy. Norwood maybe should have passed, but he sh- he shoots, keeper saves it. El Mazzuni follows him for the rebound. It makes things happen, but we just yeah. do not. It's the same. It's the same as the, the Peterborough home game a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? He won the penalty, chasing a complete lost cause. Nudges the defender out of the way, he gets himself a penalty, scores himself a goal. You know, he 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 does miss a lot, but he, as you say, he gets in the positions. Just keep him on the pitch and see what he can do. It's just ridiculous taking him off. Um, Craig, can you just sort of contrast, because it's a bit of a different emotion than we've... I know it's been a bad run of three games, but there was a bit of a sense, OK, we come up against um, Rotherham, they're well-practiced, they're in good form, they're, frankly, better than us um, at the moment. Same with um, with Peterborough as well. Um, is there a bit of a sense with this one... Um, 
how does it stack up? Because um, from what I'm getting from you three guys, you think this one's on on Lambert, and this is this is a very different type of disappointment than you know being taken apart by Smodic and Dembele and Tony. Yeah, I think so. And I had this conversation with my mate Glenn on the way back from Sunderland, and he he's of the opinion that a lot of this season the players have let Lambert down. You know how how often has Judge turned up? How often has Nolan turned up? How often? You know, Hughes you know, hasn't been fit, but when he has turned up, how many of these, what we think are top quality players have actually turned up in matches and, and won matches for us? Not many of them, not any of them. Um, last night, the, those players weren't, they weren't really, on, they, they say, as we said before, the players that were on the pitch pretty much played the roles you would expect them to play on the pitch. You know, we had, we're still playing wing backs when we're we're playing our third choice wing backs now. If you think uh, Vincent Young and Garbert first, you can argue two. that they're both centre halves as well, can't you? Absolutely, yeah. Well, in in Lambert's own admission, Danassian's a centre half by all accounts. Um, but even if they're not a centre half, they're full backs, not wing backs anyway, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're not wing backs, and and we we're set up to play wing backs, and we're playing third choice wing backs at wing back, and three, arguably two and a half. It's flat central midfielders in central midfield. We're not. What can you expect from that team? There's nobody with. It wasn't set up to to particularly win that game or take it to Wimbledon. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Mm-hmm. Um, so the table says town in seventh now um, one point off the playoffs and no congestion now as they've now played more games 31 than 17 of the other teams in the league 13 to go four out of the next five at home i'll get off my nine out of the next 13 four out of the next five games at home um that's where we are that's the league a couple of games time they could be well back in the in the top six and I I am a little bit um, 
worried about people on Twitter assuming that a game in hand equals three points to the team that has the game in hand because it um, especially very... when they're all playing each other as well yeah quite when it's literally <laughs> impossible yeah um, so um, right let's let's dive in with um, with some questions um, I, I apologize for the tone of this podcast but um, we reflect the performances <laughs> on the pitch sadly but um, so and these are the honest questions from our um, followers um, this is from Martin and um, I'll indulge myself because um, I saw Martin at a gig I was working in Marlow, and I promised I'd read out his question after he said hello to me. Um, he says, uh, diddly doo da, I've lost my quote. Um, biggest issue not going straight up this season is potential to lose our best players, but are we going to lose Wolfenden and Downs anyway? So are we better to stay and properly rebuild uh, to try and get a solid base? Um, I think what he's arguing, Seb, is, well, even if you go up, they may well, may well be sold um anyway so um what's your view on on that kind of look at it yeah more than likely i expect them both to go in the summer regardless of what league we're in but the difference being if we are a championship side and we've got an extra nine million quid behind us you've got a bit more sort of oomph in the market and you can negotiate a bit more with teams the worry is we stay down they get sold for a combined 1.2 million or something awful and that's just you know there's no chance lambert's going to see that money if we go up and can sell them uh, and then reinvest a little bit the one time lambert spent money he's done okay i think we'd all agree that vincent young is a uh, a decent buy so he's clearly got a bit of an eye for a player um but the worry is if, if we sell him for a pittance in, as a league one side that money's never gonna get reinvested and we've just lost two of our best assets um joe gareth asks uh, everyone is moaning at lambert but are some of the players just not as good as we think and can i dovetail onto that um george and ali who are excellent on the not the top 20 podcast talking about ipswich um outside observers saying it's a mid-table team in League One anyway. What's, what's what's your view on the actual level of some of these players? Well, I, th- I think the squad is one of the strongest in the league still. Every, every time you look at it, I just, I just struggle to see past that. And there's just... Like, you look at, for example, Jordan Roberts. He could not get close to our bench, effectively. He's gone to Gillingham. He started five games in a row for him. Gillingham are now, what, three places behind us in the league? It's like, so a player that can't get near our team is their main striker now. Like, so you've, like, you look, you look through the Spunner team. Holy was sort of a good keeper for Gillingham last year. He's moved up. Norris, not a massive fan, but he's still a decent keeper at this level. Chambers, Goose, they've played 300, 400 games in the league above. You look at every, every team we play, they have like a Mark Beavers or a Richard Wood or a Jason Shackle, all these people that have just played loads and loads of championship games. I'm not, I've never been a huge Scoose fan, but he's good enough for this level. Wolfenden is playing well. Generally, Downs is sort of probably one of the best players in the league. Totally. Jackson, from what I hear, had interest from championship clubs, including Blackburn in the window. Norwood, he's yeah, he's he's had his critics, but he's still scored a decent amount of goals. Keane on his day is one of the best players. Like this is not a poor squad of players, and it's. But we're not getting anything out of them at the moment. And, yeah, the players are letting Lambert down to an extent. But I think Lambert's letting the players down by this that ridiculous rotation system, which totally knocked knocked us for so long, setting up the teams to not, basically to not win games. And ultimately, if, if one or the other is going to go, you can't sack your whole squad. So 
I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think any other manager would be d- doing as badly as Lambert is doing with his squad at the moment. 22 points in 20 games is ridiculous, really, isn't it? And I say it, it may not. We may be overrating the squad, but I think when everyone saw the squad at the end of August, I think I think it put Lambert in no excuses territory for me, and he just hasn't been able to settle on anything. We're, we're now playing three-five-two. We started off the season with three fit centre-backs for the first two months of the season. We played 4-4-2 with two strikers with no strike on the bench, basically, for the first three months of the season. He obviously did not recruit to play 3-5-2. He stumbled across it. It worked well for a bit, but now it's been found out because James Wilson, like he's a decent defender, but when we are games where we've got to try and play with a ball, he isn't good enough on the ball. In the 91st minute, we've still got a chance to build one last attack and he shanks the ball out of the stadium. I don't know. He's he's a League 1, League 2 backup and now he's having to play every week. Mm. Um, As a libero. <laughs> Craig, uh, Stevie asks, is there a problem with motivation with the players? Body language, no leader. Um, I like Lambert, but I'm wavering. Um, what on earth does he do as we never seem very up for the fight? I think that parlays into what Joe was saying about those um, technical box kind of, I don't want to say yeah. his, histrionics, but the, the technical box pantomime that we, we all quite liked when he first came. Yeah, yeah. No, one of the things I was I was thinking about last night, because like, we were we were very close to the to the dugouts. There is that, but there's also I'm I'm wondering what does Stuart Taylor do in this whole operation? You know, he, Argue with he the shouts a lot. Yeah, game. exactly. He shouts the four, he's forever in the fourth official's ear. He doesn't seem to add anything other than you know when we do win a match, he gets all the players to hold hands and swing them up and down a bit. He don't, you know he. Lambert seems to be a little bit lost to me on the on the touch lines. Yeah, but nothing's happening. There's no real in-game management. There's no real changes being made, tinkering during the course of well, certainly more recently during the course of matches. Um, quite why? Who thought Freddie Sears could play in whatever position he played in last night when he came on? I don't know. But yeah, so the Stuart Taylor thing was a, is a bit of a strange one for me. I don't think he adds too much to be fair. Um, and then we talk about motivation, but again, it comes from the same old surgery we talk about time and time again. It's just leaders, isn't it? Leaders on the pitch, dragging people along with you, raising the standard of, of the play that's going on during the course of the match. Um, there's nobody there's nobody vocal enough on that pitch, is there? None of them. I'll include Chambers in that as well. Um, Seb, David asks... Sorry, just on that one, though. With, with regards to dragging people along, though... Downs' performance last night should have dragged people along with him, but it doesn't because no one's willing to be dragged along with him. That first half, he was absolutely everywhere. If that doesn't drag you along, then what will? Well said, well said. Um, Seb, David asks, as a club, are we more of a car crash than Sunderland at the moment? Um, This is Sunderland who are about to have their second different owner of the season when Donald actually goes and have had two relegations. But, hey, we're in the same place. If Netflix were to make a documentary about us, what would they call it? Uh, I mean, the parallels with Sunderland are frightening. If you've seen that documentary, you could just replace it with Portman Road and, and Marcus Evans, and it's basically an identical identical sketch. Um, to call it, I guess, it would probably be be careful what you wish for, um, given the uh, <laughs> some of the media comments. Um, Kev, Joe, asks, we got most of our points, <laughs> Dave will like this one, playing 4-4-2. He doesn't say 4-4-F in two, but I'm going to say 4-4-F in two. Um, it's not pretty, but other formations are not effective for us. Um, 4-4-2 for you, Joe? 
I, I, I'm not a massive fan of 4-4-2, but it was working for us. But I think it was, as soon as Downs missed the game, I think it really found out Scoose in, in the middle of a two there. I think Downs was really carrying us at the start of the season. But we we spent the last few months of last season from when Lambert came in playing a variation of 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, whatever you want to call it. We spent all last season effectively playing that. We've come to this season and we haven't, We've barely played it once this season, other than when it's like a four-five-one rather than a four-three-three, and the squad is set up to play that way. And I just, I, I don't understand why we have gone away from what Lambert thought was the way when he first came in, and we were splitting the centre backs, and Roberts was dropping in and flicking the ball on to Sears coming in from the the flanks. And I know we've missed some personnel at times this year, but like, what does Lambert want from us? I don't, I, I don't know what he's doing. We can't play four four two. We haven't we haven't got the wide players to play four four two of it. Who who would you put wide left and wide right in a Well I guess you've Ed, Edwards, so Edwards and Garbutt right. Kenlock left back, I don't know. Oh left back. Joe's <laughs> <laughs> losing the plot, ladies and gentlemen. Um right, last one, Craig. Uh, Jonathan Smith. Um trying to string this answer out because you can give a one word answer here, but is there any evidence of a long term plan? And I think just to go into what Joe said as well, we see some clubs brilliantly. I mean, even even Peterborough will recruit to a to a plan of oh, we're going to buy strikers and try and create chances for strikers. Um, even recruitment to a to a plan. Um, apparently, there is one. Um, Craig, is there any evidence of it that you're seeing? Uh, you want you did want a short answer. Yeah. Well, there's <laughs> not. There's there's not. Is there? There's not. We're not seeing a long term plan. We're not seeing a long-term style or not seeing any formation on a consistent basis um there was a question a little while ago about you know obviously is it would we be not better off staying down and building but you know well possibly but what what are we building towards there is there is no there is no Luton formation that we're planning there is no Sheffield United for there there isn't anything we're chopping and changing it as Joe said we we chopped and changed from last year when it seemed to be sort of working um we're looking to recruit connor wickham in the january transfer window albeit on loan where where's that where's that come from as you say yourself ben you know you say about teams planning for future transfer windows well is anyone seeing any any no any evidence of that at the moment how many transfer windows Lambert had now three he said himself didn't he, he wanted three tra- judge me on three transfer windows etc etc well okay let's start let's start judging him would, would, that's obviously the reasons behind this five-year deal, isn't it? It's and the, and the the sort of underlying um, comments that we're we're hearing here and there about you know we might not you know things might not pl- pl- plan out play out as we want them to etc etc you know we may not go up this year for example. Well, if we're not going to go up this year, then let's see some sort of coherent plan as to what the hell we can expect next next year, other than selling arguably our, our two best players and replacing them with far, far inferior players. And I know I've made this comment many times, going back to what Joe said about the 4-3-3, how much worse off would you be if you just stuck with it and tried to really, really develop and, dare I say, even even recruit it to it? Although the recruitment, um, as you said, Joe, would have worked perfectly with the 4-3-3. The, you know, new keeper, well, fine. Um, a fullback that can get forward, fine. And... Uh, central focal point striker or would have worked there we go right guys i'm going to lighten the atmosphere because i'm going to surprise you now i've got two little ducks but 
because there's three of you, we'll do Joe Stalin. I will let you make bids. Okay. So we'll see. We'll only do the Ipswich team because the opponents are obscure. So you can make bids of how many of the Ipswich team you can name from this game. And we're talking about Wimbledon. And I'm looking at Craig's TXU energy shirt. Um, one of my favourite comedy Ipswich games, um, which just went crazy, was Ipswich 1, Wimbledon 5 on the last day. Oh, sorry, it was the last home game, rather, of the 2002 three seasons so this is um george burley starts the season and joe royal takes over um administration has bitten but there's still a few star players um left around that haven't been sold um so joe fares how many of the ipswich first 11 and remember i'll give you a gimme if you pick someone on the bench and i'm going to quickly tell you that tommy miller was injured Okay, just to try and help out because someone's going to say Tommy Miller and I just don't want that sadness and upset in such a downbeat pod. Anyway, Joe, how many of that 11 do you think you can name? Um, five. Five. Craig, can you match five, do you think? Oh, crack, I'm just trying to... Uh... Yeah, I'll, I'll go... Um, yeah, I'll go... F... I'm writing them down as I'm thinking about them. I'll go five and a half. <laughs> five and a half. Seb, do you think you can beat five and a half? I'll have to go six, won't I then? You go six. I tell you what, we'll go around in a bit of a circle then um, and see if we can do it together. Um, right, Seb, you go first. Uh, Andy Marshall. Andy Marshall. Joe? Matt Holland. Matt Holland. Um, last home game, indeed. That's two. Craig? Uh, Jim Jilton. Yes, three. Fabian Wilness. Fabian Wilness is four. It's quite tense, isn't it? Um, Richard Naylor. Oh, no Richard Naylor um, in there. Um, I'd say we'll keep the other two in then. Um, Craig? Uh, Darren Bent. Darren Bent is a substitute, so I'm going to let you away. You're still in, um, but we're still on four. Uh, Seb? Uh, Chris Makin. <laughs> Chris Makin, Oof. good shout. Five. Joe, do you want to come back in? Um, no, because I'll probably just go out again, wouldn't I? Um, <laughs> let me think. Which would be tremendous. Um, Thomas Gardso. Yes, Thomas Gardso is six. Uh, Craig? Uh, 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 so, Joe Royal. Okay, uh, Matt Richards. Matt Richards, excellent. Is seven. seven. Oh, pressure. Um, Marcus Bent. Marcus Ben, excellent. Eight. So uh, three left. Uh, Joe, we have two forwards and an attacking midfielder. Um, Comes before Premiership. <laughs> Martin Royster. <laughs> Craig. Uh, Big ass. Wave loves him. <laughs> Pablo Cunago. I didn't realise how that came out, but there you go. Pablo Cunago. <laughs> um, oh, God, no, someone Beyonce. said. Someone said Marcus Bent, didn't they? Oh, okay. Uh, so, Seb, um, Marmite, central midfielder. Jermaine Wright. Jermaine Wright. Well done, gentlemen. Um, How did that size lose 5 1 to win when you, when you list those names? Jesus. Because they I remember had... I had a Derby away ticket and I thought, oh, I bought it before the game for the last game, thinking, oh, we've got an outside chance here. And I thought, oh, I wish I hadn't just spunk that money away on that, that Derby away ticket. I remember them having David Connolly and Neil Shipley up front, who played the width of the penalty box and finished absolutely. I think Shipley was um, rather rotund at this point as well, but. <laughs> 
Um, that explains your five goals. Knew where the knew where the goal was. Um, right, this let's... is the same Neil Shipley who was recently caught wanking in a car. <laughs> what are you doing? What? <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> no, it's proven. Oh, he's been it? done for it. Oh, right, okay. Joe can say what he likes. <laughs> what is what? Stand down, lawyers. Stand down. Tell me, tell me more, Joe. He was caught, um, yeah, wanking in a car park in front of <laughs> a mum and her mum and her daughter, wasn't it? Oh no, yeah. I didn't know. I would, yeah, I mean, no, I would have mentioned him still if I had have known. <laughs> but there we go. Um, right, how do I get from um, public acts of indecency to Burton Albion at home this weekend? Like that will do. Um, said Burton are in twelve. <laughs> Six points behind uh, town. No wins and only four points in the last five games. Four draws and a defeat. But never mind, Burton, Seb. What do you want to see from Paul Lambert on Saturday? Much as he's been criticised for changing things, I'd like to see a, a, a back four. Um, we've got to start winning games now. With all these home games, I don't think we need to be lining up with so many defensive midfielders. So if we assume that Garbutt is back, I'd like to see uh, Garbutt start like he was in the uh, at the start of the season where he had someone in behind him so he can get forward more with his with his delivery. So I'd like to see a, a back four. I'd like to see sort of a 4-3-3 with uh, probably Keane as the focal point and the runners going in behind him. But crucially, I, I don't want to see three central midfielders lined up with absolutely no no progressive tactics at all. Joe, um, change, of, change of system? I think if, if we're going to stick with three at the back, I'd... I'd rather see a back three of Earl on the left, Chambers in the middle, Wolfenden on the right, because Chambers is getting up and down and he's trying to do that. But I think Wolfenden is sort of becoming a lot less, a lot more impotent on that left-hand side and he's just not affecting the game as he, as we know he can do. Stick him on the right-hand side and I think we'll get more out of him. He, so if, if we're going to stick to three. He was, no, yeah, last night he was noticeably always, always cutting in on his right foot, poor sod. You, and you could you could tell, the ball was coming out to him and he was so limited in what he could do because he had Josh Earl outside him. And he, so he didn't really have the confidence to pass to him, but he was always forever cutting back into into the, you know, the, the busy part of the pitch. Sorry to interrupt. And, and I'd rather not see the same midfield three. I think Downs, Nolan, oh, sorry, Downs, Hughes and... Stick someone in front of him, even if it's Dizel. I know it's not his normal game, but Dizel, Dobra, someone, someone that's going to try and make something happen because Burton are not going to come here and take the game to us. We, so we we need to break them down. Craig, if you sorry, sorry, I just say we don't need to be playing Skews, do we? Skews doesn't need to be starting matches for us. You know, we've got we've got Hughes, Downs, Dizel, Nolan, Judge. If you can't pick a three out of that five, then without Skews being in it, we, we've got no reason to be playing him. If it, the only reason I'd say to play Skews would be if you're going to sort of sit him in the middle of a back three or push him on into a, sort of the base of a diamond. I'd, but in a, when you've got three centre-backs, you do not need Cole Skews sitting in front of them. Um, Craig, if he's wedded to three at the back, is there any chance of a Nuno-Santo 3-4-3? Three, three? Um, if you're not going to use a number 10 and you're cluttering up the central midfield, can you play three centre-backs and have all of Norwood, Keane, and Jackson on. I think we did see the three of them yeah. together not very successfully. Yeah, we did. Didn't we? It was a, few it was a home game, wasn't it? Bristol Rovers. Yeah. Bristol, yeah. Bristol Rovers. Yeah, yeah and, and to be fair, and we were talking about, same about Bristol Rovers, we were talking about, you know, having one or two touches maximum. The goal we scored against Bristol Rovers was a perfect example of what we have done 
on one occasion recently was you know it was downs wasn't it downs to garbert to jackson who crossed it in first time to norwood at the back post that was all that was all one touch football but that did that as a as a formation sorry as a as a three up front i don't think that worked particularly well was it and i think norwood's kind of isolated a little bit wide on occasion unless they're going to play it with keen as the as the number 10 in that in that hole and allow the front two to to do their thing that could that could possibly work but again as a flat front three then then probably not and if nor if keen does drop deep then the front two have got to get a lot closer to each other because they just kept very wide i think in that in that bristol rovers match when he did do that seb i think the takeaway from this conversation is um at this point in the season we would have hoped to have been saying oh so and so's tired maybe so and so comes in for them and that would be it yeah yeah, yeah. We'd, we at this stage we want a settled formation that we've been playing for the last six months, and everyone just you know, if a player drops out, someone knows exactly what the role is, comes in and slots in effortlessly. But uh, yeah, it's not been the case, is it? There we go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully that wasn't um, too harrowing. Just, just, just quickly, Ben. So I, ahead, I posed Joker. a question. I posed a question on the TWTD message board earlier with regards to Lambert on there. That's not dangerous. sort of a Lambert, not a Lambert in Lambert out thing, but. Can anyone see the point in Paul Lambert staying here at the moment? He's he's managed us for seventy three games. We know we know further forward to what we were. If you think if you think the manager is the problem, then the simple answer is you want to change the manager. If you think the players are the problem and the squad needs an overhaul, is Paul Lambert the manager you want to give give that squad an overhaul in the summer? Has he has he earned the right to do that? after free transfer windows? And I know now people are starting to blame Marcus Evans again and I read a good post on there earlier today was saying you can blame Marcus Evans for us not competing in the championship, but you can't blame Marcus Evans for us not competing in League One. So what are your thoughts on Lambert? Do you think a new manager now, a new manager bouncing Neil Warnock coming in to try and push us over the line would be a better bet or Nathan Jones coming in or I don't know. So I'll, I'll pass it over to you three. Well, I guess the, 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 what you'd hope would happen is somebody gets 15, 14 games now to really try and build something going into next season. Do basically what Lambert should have done last season when he had his when he had his free hit. Um, I think if Warner came in, all the old mixed stuff would start coming out the woodwork because he would simply launch it every opportunity. Ben will know better than us with his championship stuff with regards to Nathan Jones and Warnock, but I, I, w- I wouldn't be adverse to seeing Nathan Jones, but um, I'm not sure that the, uh, the bounce would be enough to get us across the line. I just want to know why Lambert's lost his bottle. You know, he came yeah. in all guns blazing, didn't he? As Joe said, I went to that Reading away match, his first away oh, match. I love, and I was, love the first it was half ridic- of that game. It was great. It was wasn't ridiculous, it? wasn't it? It was cold skews. It was like Andre Perlo there. He was pinging it everywhere. He was pick, picking it up on in the D on the edge of our box. But he's just, and it, as Joe says about, you know, he's bouncing around the technical area. That's not there anymore. I say for, for some reason, he's, he's completely lost his bottle about us playing this rock and roll football, taking it to the opposition. There's nothing, nothing like that. And has, I, he I know, become, has he become comfortable? Five-year contract. Um, but, some of the noise the, coming out of the club saying stuff like, you know, we are almost prepared not to go back up this season. Has that lifted some pressure? And then he's been handed a five-year deal, so maybe, maybe he's become a bit complacent. But it was in the Accrington game after the five-year contract where he was back to how he was on the touchline. It's like, oh, maybe this has got him going again. But he doesn't seem motivated. And I, I know we probably don't remember it as well as obviously the Norwich fans do, but when he was a Norwich manager, it felt like if there was half an hour left in the game and they were drawing, you're going to chuck four strikers on and try and win the game. Now we just, and they invariably did. 
And we're making subs. Like, even yesterday's 70th minute, it did not take 70 minutes to realise that something wasn't right yesterday. And all it was was a like-for-like change. We we wait until the 83rd minute in home games to try to make changes. And I know he's, he's lost he's lost his mojo. He's lost what he, he's lost the ability to try and win games. And I know I, I just... I don't see the point in persisting with him. I said he just he looked he looked lost yesterday on the touchline. I so say he gets he gets no help or assistant from his assistant assistant to the manager. <laughs> um, that Norwich side, sorry, just jumping. That Norwich side, I remember scored so many late goals. They must have been really going for it up until the the last minute. We end our games with you know players sort of run out of steam. He doesn't really make substitutions to really really late in the game, and our games sort of peter out with a whimper. You know, there's something something very wrong compared to how he was. For my two penneth, um, not not to pour water on the conversation, but he's not going anywhere, is it? For for a start, he's he's staying, um, and it goes back to conversations we had eight months ago, nine months ago about pattern of play, and I know I was like a broken record about it. Um, and what you would get with a Nathan Jones or a Neil Warnock is you you definitely get a philosophy, you definitely get a pattern of play. And one thing I do want to say is. Yes, Seb, you're right. All the mixed stuff will will come up if if a name like Warnock or whoever or a you know a direct um, a direct style manager is needed. But it's an apples to oranges comparison now. What we needed when Mick went is now totally different than what we need now. So um, yes, you're gonna you're gonna get those arguments, but uh, we're in a rather different position than. 17 years in the championship and just gone a little bit stale um we now need to get the get the hell out of league one as as quickly as possible and um up that tv money again if you're if you're marcus evans but it's it's, it's not a five-year plan just to give a manager a five-year contract that's no, not a plan no, absolutely not. Where, where it feels like just by giving him a contract we feel that's a plan but i know i i, I don't know i've really lost I didn't have a huge amount of faith in him. Well, Joe, over the, what will over it the take? Weeks, and I've really lost. Joe, what will it take for you to get faith back in Lambert just in the short term over over three or four games? Well, I was starting to with a three-five-two, where it looked like yeah, that probably wouldn't have been what I'd have done to progress. But he seemed to be setting up the team to try and win games. And I don't know, just him. I know it sounds stupid and like sort of the sort of thing that someone who doesn't go to football would say, but sort of like just the manager looking like he cares on the touchline. And I know people used to moan about Mick, but we have played better when he has been up there pushing the players on. And he's not... He's well, not Craig standing, said about in-game stuff as well. Either. He's what, pushing what? people on. He's telling them when to press and things. We've got no pressing pattern. We've got no pattern of play. We've got... Like I'd say our play is just... Teams sit behind us, we pass the ball around and we and we chop it around. And let, yeah, there are some nice phases of play, but... We aren't it's all in the middle third, though, isn't it? Middle we aren't and last creating thirds. any. We aren't creating any chances. We aren't close to it. We haven't got a striker who's misfired. Like Norwood is misfired. He's creating most of the chances himself. We aren't. Like I say we're coming out of a game. Yeah, we had 15 shots yesterday, but how many of those were decent chances? Our XG is sort of is low every game. We aren't. When was the last time we battered like a team we expect to like Accrington at home? But 22 points in 20 games. That's that's half a season, and while we probably are slightly underperforming with regards to how the games are actually playing out, I think we've been a little bit unlucky in certain games. There's too many games where we just are not getting anywhere. And I'd I'd, I'd need to see 
Well, I'd need to see some wins against decent sides, and we haven't really got any decent sides left to play. Pompey. Yeah, and I, I, like the playoffs, you look, Pompey are flying. I know they lost last night, but they were on a club record before that. Sunderland are winning every week. Rotherham are look gone. Coventry are playing well and winning, and it's like... And well, not losing that's, as well. That's four, that's four places. That's four teams who have got more points than us, that have got games in hands on us. Like, we're fighting with Wickham, Oxford... We're fighting for the sixth place, aren't we? Yeah, and that's and from where we were is that is that is poor. And again, you talk about Wickham and Oxford, and I can tell you what Wickham's pattern of play is, and I can tell you what Oxford's is as well. Mm. And Wickham might stitch themselves up with um, you know age of squad and people getting knackered, and Oxford have just you know I saw Oxford's two best players play three minutes for Brentford last night, so that might that might stitch them up. Um, but, but when we played Wickham on New Year's Day. We sort of said, oh, they they look like they're on a poor run of form. They've lost three or four in a row. We look now like we're going to push on. But they've had their bad run. And they don't all go away, they're, do they? They're, they're back. Well, Everyone's we are, waiting we are. for them, aren't they? Everyone's waiting for them to drop. Mm. And I think, I don't, I don't know, I would not be backing us to finish in the top six. I know we've got an easy run of games at home, but I think a couple of poor performances in the next week and that home crowd is going to be more of a burden than a... If we If we don't win against Burton, it could get very nasty, couldn't it? Four home games in five, nine home games in 13. There we go. There it is. Um, ladies and gentlemen, nice little addendum on the end there, Joe. Thank you for that. Um, thank you very much for listening. As always, when we have these down in the doldrums moments, we, we, we don't set the tone. We read the questions. We try and fill the mood as it is. So um, please don't tweet us and say we're all uh, manic depressives. We're just telling the mood as it is and... Um, I'm sure if you wind back to nine wins and a draw, we were very happy and very, very upbeat um, at the same time. Um, you can follow on Twitter at Blue Monday ITFC and um, we're doing a lot of work on the Instagram, which is Blue Monday Pod. Um, obviously, subscribe, listen. And remember, I still get comments on my YouTube channel asking where the podcasts are. We've moved over on YouTube. Just type Blue Monday Podcast in and you can see our lovely faces. Um, Seb, have you got anything to add to this? Uh, no here's to Saturday let's hope for a good performance and hopefully give a bit of confidence to the players and the team and hopefully next week's pod will be a bit more a bit more upbeat keep the faith eh? <laughs> Craig let's just hope there's, a, there's another blip coming and it's uh, four home wins at the next five Joe Fares I'm just too sad to say anything more hit the bad bad dear tuition nah Right, bye-bye, everybody. See you on Saturday. First of four home games in five. Um, Let the good times roll. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.